The Laughter Permitted Podcast is brought to you by Ally. Do it right. Hey there, Tordope Village. I'm Julie Foudy. Welcome to Laughter Permitted. I'm here with Lynn Olzawi. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Julie. Welcome back to California. Thank you. Back after covering the ACC Women's Soccer Tournament live and in person. <laughs> How crazy is that in North Carolina? And while I was there, we recorded today's episode of the podcast. And it's safe to say it's with a very special guest. That's right. I am thrilled that the Dope Village gets to learn about and hear from one of my favorite humans of all time. And not enough people know this woman's name, and they absolutely should. Our guest is my dear friend and former teammate, Carla Overbeck. Carla was the longtime captain of the U.S. women's soccer team and... We played together for a decade and a half. Yes, that long. She is a two-time World Cup champion, Olympic gold and silver medalist, four-time national champion at the University of North Carolina, which means, yes, she won every single year she was there. And then Carla went on to be the assistant coach at Duke. Blasphemous. And now Carla has been their assistant coach at Duke for the past 29 years. She is a mom to two adorable kids as well, Jackson and Carson. And in fact, Jackson, the older of the two, was born while Carla was still playing on the national team. So we got a lot of time with J-Man as a kid. Bless him for putting up with our craziness. He may need therapy for that. And above all other accolades, she is one of the greatest humans and leaders I know. I was her co-captain during our entire time together, and I feel lucky to have been able to learn from this amazing woman. So get comfortable listening. It's Carla Overbeck. Hey there, Dope Village. As y'all know, Ally has backed Laughter Permitted since day one of our podcast as our financial ally. And honestly, Lynn, I might just tattoo Ally on my forehead. And Ally is currently on a mission to change the game for women sports. And get this, along with being sponsors of the National Women's Soccer League, Atlantic Coast Conference, United States Golf Association, and the Las Vegas Aces, Ally has committed to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And you, my friends, can be part of the change by watching your favorite athletes crush it on TV, by going to women's sporting events in person, by, I don't know, maybe listening to every single episode of this amazing podcast on trailblazing women. Because every time you show up for women's sports, you are helping move the game forward. You can learn more about Ally by visiting ally.com. Hey there, Dope Village. Lynn and I have been involved in women's sports our entire lives. And truly, we've never been more excited for what's to come in this women's sports space. And one big reason, Ally. Ally has made a commitment to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And that means more money going to women's sports and more visibility for what these incredible athletes are accomplishing. Ally is on a mission to change the game for women's sports. So here at Laughter Permitted, we're going to keep telling the stories of trailblazing women. And every time you listen in, you are part of that change. To learn more about Ally, go to ally.com. Now I hear you. Oh, Greg wants to say hi. Hola, Gregory. Hi. How are you? How you doing, darling? When does the trivia stuff come? I'm ready. (laughs) Can I be her lifeline for trivia? (laughs) For the game? It's really, it's really deep stuff. Actually, I don't know what the game is yet. I'm having a little wine. Is it sports stuff or other stuff? It changes every podcast. Carla, I get super competitive too, so look the F out. I'm the trivia guy. Yeah, if I say a bad word, can you just bleep it out? 
The only words we bleep out are the F is the F bomb. Yeah, we don't we don't really bleep anything out. We always get an E next to us, anyways. Have fun. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Your family's so cute. Aw. Should we do this car? Sure. We set the scene car as we did back in the old days where I would annoy you with my camera and be like, Carla, set the scene. Well, we do it on the podcast as well. So Carla, set the scene. I am in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Just got back from soccer practice. Yeah. Still alive, and- Duke is. Still alive. Play another day. And apparently my family is trying out some cauliflower crust. We're going to make some pizza as soon as this is over. I'm hoping that they do it while I'm on here and I just get to eat it up when I'm done. (laughs) Oh, I love that they came in right when I got to see Carson and Greg. I've seen. I know. I was like, come see Jules. Yeah. Uh, Lynn and I were discussing the interview and she asked me like, okay, what are some stories that you remember about Carla? And so I sat down today <laughs> to try and remember them and I couldn't remember shit. So as I always do, I turned to my sisters and I was like, Hey, <laughs> help the sister out here. I cannot remember anything. Share some stories about Carla. And so did you see, were you on this text thread? The 99ers text thread, you're on it. You just haven't seen it. Cause you're at practice. Don't even start looking. So all of a sudden they started flooding in. It was fantastic. Okay. So can we I'll be the judge of that? Uh, okay. Which one do you want to hear? Should we it, the first one's actually started with a lot of referees. Julie, what was the text you sent out to the 99ers thread? Uh, the text I sent out was uh, doing a podcast with Carla tonight. I need funny stories, people. My brain doesn't remember shit. Please send. And then here they come. Akers chimed in with uh, the hand in the face of the referee anytime you disagreed with it. <laughs> Wait, Akers could remember something and you couldn't? That's scary. That's a good point, actually. Akers was one of the first to chime in. And how that made the player or the referee almost not exist because you'd put your hand between you and the player in their face. Do you remember that with the refs? Uh, now that I'm more mature, um... I don't do those things anymore. But yeah, the refs really would get under my skin and annoy me. Okay, then there's Mia just wrote, she swears like a sailor, which- <laughs> That's true. Kate Markgraf said how she always tell people to STFU. You know what that means? God, there's a lot, gonna be a lot of swearing in this podcast. I apologize ahead of time. When the veterans got spicy with the rookies, cause she was a rookie back then. I didn't know you did that. That's good. I didn't know I did that either. Yeah. So I would basically take their side on things and tell people to shut up. Yeah. You would tell the, the veterans to shut up. up. Yeah. Explain that. Cause at first I thought it was, you were saying it to the rookies. rookies. (laughs) No, Kate (laughs) Margraf, how she always told people to S T F U when the veterans got spicy with the rookies. I think she meant like, she tell the veterans to, be quiet yeah because we did get a little spicy at times well I mean it was hard because you were competing with them right and the best way to teach them and get their respect is to you know get after it in training and they don't you don't let them beat you ever but at the same time you needed them right and they were the future and so you tried to um yeah exactly you you had to be kind to them so I I guess I was fine. That's good. What's your favorite story that you remember about the team? I remember when um, living with you and Lil, mm-hmm. and it was awesome because, you know, obviously I had Jackson and it was, you know, it's hard because you're trying to play. And then someone, we had someone watch the kids when we were at practice and, um, you know, then you come home and basically you're, it's on, you don't rest, you don't do anything. You have this, you know, person that you have to take care of. And so, Lil and Jules were awesome. I always just appreciated you guys. And, you know, there's no way I couldn't, could have done it without all your help. And, um, you know, there's time you, you could tell when I needed a break and what better like role models for your child to, you know, to learn from and grow up and be around. And, you know, that's why I wanted him with me one, because, you know, I, I wanted him with me 
and two, um, just the quality and type of people that he would be around on a daily basis. So when did you have your son in your playing career? Um, so after the 96 Olympics, we had a big window. We had a three-year window till the 99, um, world cup. And so, um, I had Jackson in 97, August of 97, and then had a couple of years to, you know, to get back. And it was awesome because our team was going to Germany and Jackson was 10 days early. It was perfect. And um, like seven weeks later, we left to go to Germany. I just wanted to make sure that I was made that roster. So Jackson had to stay behind because he was too young to travel. And um, I knew he was in good hands with my husband. But I just I want to make sure I was on that trip just to, you know, get back into things. So. So seven weeks after you had your son, you were playing in a tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, he was early, so he wasn't on the plan, which was helpful. These two weeks after you can't do anything. And, you know, you're I'm running on the treadmill, like holding my belly and everyone thought I was crazy. But, you know, that's what you have to do. So <laughs> didn't, you, didn't you go into labor like while doing stadiums at at uh, at Duke? I was on the leg press machine. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And our football coach, um, Fred Goldsmith at the time, he was like, Carla, should you be doing that? <laughs> I was ready. I, he, I wanted him out. I had a plan. So. <laughs> oh dear. Julie, you've already proven that your memory's not that great. So I did remember that though. Wine helps. Carla, do you remember the first time you met Julie? Oh my God. Yes. She's this little California girl. She had this hair that was real <laughs> short on the sides and it like went up about this high. <laughs> and we're like, just check the ball right onto her hair and she can run it into the goal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and yeah, like on the sports festival teams or whatever, you'd be like, yes, it's the best. That's all we heard from you, California girls. I was like, all right, that's enough. <laughs> so. Yeah, she was a trip. Wait, what was the what was the first event we met at? Was it Olympic festivals? Um, I just remember I was like, "Who is that badass?" And I am afraid of her. No, I, I think it was probably wasn't like at national team camp or something. Was that youth national team, right? In um, yeah, because remember we had to play the older team. Yeah, in yeah. Uh, Blaine, Minnesota. Yes, yes. In 1987, that was yeah. probably it. How old were you both? Um, I was a sophomore in college. Uh, Jules was probably five. <laughs> I was a junior in, or sophomore, going to be a junior in high school. I was 16. I know we were really young pups. We're still young pups, Carla. We were so young and cute back then. Right. One of the things and why we wanted to do this car with you is whenever people ask me, greatest leader of all time you've played with, or, you know, it's like, without hesitation, I'm like, Carla Overbeck. And then they'll be like, why? And I'll say, well, because, you know, of all the things we know about leadership that I, people always talk about. So she checks all the boxes of, she sets a great example. She makes good decisions. She's kind, she cares, she's team first, all that stuff. But the thing that I always have admired in you is your ability to fire someone up and light a fire under them with the perfect tone in the most tense of times, which is so hard to do as a leader, I think. And so many people get it wrong, <laughs> right? Especially when it's tense. And yet you had this innate ability to motivate without chopping someone down. Were you ever cognizant of that? Well, I mean, you know, the leaders, you know, I'm sure you've played with a bunch of leaders that you thought, ah, you know, maybe I don't want to quite lead like that. I'm going to try to find my own <laughs> style. But I think that was so great about like you too, because, you know, we were in it together and one, we didn't take ourselves too seriously. And um, two, we worked, you know, we worked really hard. No one wanted to, I didn't, you know, we never wanted anyone to outwork us. And, um, I just think because we had that way about us, you know, on the field, all business, we were all business off the field. We could laugh at ourselves. We could make fun of ourselves. We could, you know, be vulnerable. And I think that's important that, you know, your teammates and the people that, um, 
you know, that, that work for you, they see that because, you know, I feel like good leaders need to admit when they're wrong and they need to, you know, include everybody and, and have this sense like, you know, everyone's important and everyone means a lot and is important to this team or this organization. But you had this, you had this ability to read the situation, right? And if it was, say, for example, it was a World Cup game or a super high pressure game, and maybe we were struggling, and maybe I would start to lose it on the field, which would happen once a game. And what I would like, lose it, like veins popping out of my neck, screaming at someone, and all of a sudden I would hear Carla cackling at me, like laughing. Like, and she has this great loud laugh at center back. And I'd look back at her and she'd be like, what are you doing? And that's all she had to do, right? I'd realize like, oh, sorry. Yeah, you're right. I can't do that. But she always did it in a way that felt like, okay, I got to get it right for Carla. I, but I feel like we, we allowed ourselves to, um, you know, I felt like it was okay for us to get on some people sometimes. I mean, cause I wasn't always pleasant, but you know, as soon as they do something well, you need to jump all over them with praise and mm. let them know that, you know, you have their back and yeah, you just got on them, but we are trying to hold the standard here, you know? And I felt, I felt like everyone at that level, you know, knew what we aspired to be like and the standard that we we held each other, you know, to and held each other accountable. Um, and I feel just because of our personalities, maybe off the field, um, we could get on people. Yeah. But knowing that if we got on somebody, the second that they did something right, we were all over them with praise, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and you, you know, you were great at it too. And, and <laughs> no, when, when no, someone would be, I'm not taking credit. <laughs> yeah. When someone would be barking at somebody, like the other one would be lifting them up. And then, you know, when someone would be lifting them up and maybe they felt like the standards not high enough, then someone would start barking at them, you know? So it was kind of, it was great having like this tag team. Yeah. How important is it to set a baseline of you care for your teammates so that when it does get harsh, they know it's coming from a place where you still have their back. Yeah, that's, that's really important. And I feel like just getting to know your teammates and knowing, you know, do you have to be a little more cautious when you talk to this one? You know, can you jump all over this one? And that's, mm -hmm. that's what they thrive on. Um, so I feel like just getting to know them and maybe kind of what Kate said is, you know, yeah, the young ones, when they came in, they were probably nervous and they were excited and all these, all this thing. But I think our team did a really great job of welcoming them, you know, making them feel comfortable, but then also kind of showing them what it takes to be on this team. And that was not going easy on them. Um, you know, having this standard that is way, way up here, you know, it's different from college. It's different from youth soccer. You know, we're talking playing for the U S and, um, you know, the, the standard is very high and that's why our team is successful because everyone buys into it. One of my favorite stories, I've remembered one, is the Brandy story at the 99 World Cup quarterfinals. We're playing Germany in this World Cup quarterfinal. You lose, you go home and take it from there. What happens in that quarterfinal game? So, you know, you can't hear anything. There are 80,000 people in the stands. So there was a miscommunication with Bry, our goalkeeper, and Brandy. And Brandy knocked it right back to the goal and knocked it right into the goal. It was a great shot. <laughs> it was an own goal early. Yeah. For non-soccer people, what is an own goal? Yeah, so you, you as a soccer player never want to score an own goal. It's like you <laughs> score on your own team. And any defender that says they haven't done it at some level, I think is a liar, <laughs> but um, you know, it happens, it happens, right? So Brandy was running back toward our own goal and you have pressure on your back from the opposing team and you, it's just a scary situation. It's a situation that no defender ever wants to be in. And she passed it back to Bri, except Bri wasn't there. And um, she kicked in our own goal. And I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> And I knew that she would just be beating herself up. 
And because I would do the same thing, I would not be able to forgive myself. And so I just wanted to make sure that I was the first one to her and basically said, B, it's okay. Like we are going to be fine. And so I just let her know that, you know, she was important. She had to forget about it because we needed her the rest of the half and that we are going to win this game. So, oh, oops. <laughs> I love you got it. into your captain mode. Well, no, and you said, not only did you said, and we're going to win this game, her version of it is, and you're going to win this game for us. Yeah. And who did win that effing game for us? Absolutely. And Tony was going to take her out at halftime. And I was like, no, Tony, just, you know, we need her and she'll be fine. We'll continue to talk to her. Like, well, we got her. We got her. We need her. And freaking she comes back and scores the game time goal. And then we win on, we beat him what? Three, two or something. Three, I think one. she scored the game winning goal. Did she? Or was that joy? That was probably joy. Because remember right, Mac right. she subbed in to take the corner. Tony made a great sub, put Mac in. She serves this ball across on a corner and joy hits it, heads it in. Yeah, you're right. So Brandy had scored the game tying goal, I think. Yeah. 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 And think about that. Had you not said anything, she could have spiraled, right? She credits you for in that moment. And I credit you for saving our World Cup, <laughs> saving her because she was like, you're right, Carla, thank you. Okay. And carried on and just played instead of like beating herself up. She knew that you had her back, which is a thread that came through in that 99ers when I said memories of Carla. Everyone was like, she's got your back. She's got your back. I was like, oh. Yeah. But I just, you know, you try to put yourself in their shoes. I mean, you have empathy. You have all these emotions going through your mind. And, you know, I knew we were going to win because we had this great attack that was going to score some goals. And, oh, hello. <laughs> Speaking of great goal scores, how that timing is perfect. She pops right in there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, we needed her and I told her that, and I just said, forget about it. Uh, we need you. And, um, you know, you're going to help us win. We're, Mia, Mia, the zoom bomber, we are talking about the Brandy, um, own goal in the Germany quarterfinal when Brand when Carla turned her and was like, you're good. We're good. We're good. And you're going to help us win this. And then she comes back to tie it up. I know, that. Just thank, thank, thank God um, Carla was the voice to be heard. Right? At that it's, moment. <laughs> instead of me or you or, or me. Bri or anyone. Yeah. yeah. I, I, think... did, I did worry about Bri a little bit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> because she was notorious for telling Jules to get the cobwebs out. <laughs> Do you remember that? Dude, I was like, what did you just say? And you were furious. <laughs> Uh, Why? what are you doing I, and that's what I love about our team is you kind of had just people who had a filter and people who didn't and it wasn't personal it was kind of like all right that's the way you handle it and oh, it, oh, it was personal to Jewel she was like cobwebs <laughs> cobwebs I went to Stanford <laughs> are you in a dorm am i in a dorm i'm in a hotel room okay i'm on my first road trip baby i'm in north Kakalaki, sister we missed you last night we had cindy and carla and i out for dinner oh that's so great i know we're going again saturday if you want to fly out okay great i'll be there (laughs) all right meege i i started the podcast saying i couldn't remember anything and so i started that text chain favorite Carla memory, please. I mean, I just love the way uh, Carla had such great rapport with the referees. (laughs) Um, No, but one of my favorites, I don't know if it was college or on the national team where um, she's got her back turned to the referee and she's like, you are horrible. I can't believe how horrible you are. And then she turns around to face him and she said, she basically blames it on one of her teammates. Like, Oh, don't worry. He's doing the best he can. Don't worry about it. I'm so sorry, sir. Oh, is it someone else that said that? Yes. And it was her the entire time. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> How are you with referees as a coach? I try to, I try to set a good example for, you know, cause I keep getting older and the kids keep coming in at 18 years old. And so I'm trying to be a good role model for them. And, you know, sometimes I'm not, but, um, now that say, I've gotten how's older, that working? Yeah. Now that I've gotten older, I feel like I'm a little bit better, but, um, I'm fiery. And, you know, when I feel like this, this ref is just out there, you know, having a laugh and he's pissed that he has a, a, a women's game. Um, I, I'm offended by that. And these kids like pour everything, every single ounce of energy they have into this game. And this is like a weekend job for this guy. And he goes to bed and sleeps fine at night. And our kids, you know, are just devastated. And I know one call doesn't always make or break the game, but you know, it, it helps. So Carla, had, I know, but I mean, that's what makes her great is she has such high standards. Yeah. And um, I think for anyone that's out there on the field, she had it for herself. There was nothing that um, Carla didn't ask us to do as teammates that she wasn't already doing and um, kind of setting the bar for all of us. So, you know, that I know as a teammate, she always made me feel like uh, she had my back and, and um, you know, that meant a lot to me. Right. You know, you were talking about stories. This is actually a story after we were done playing. And um, when we lived the year in Chapel Hill, Carla, um, I think it was, or, or maybe it was one of the times I came in town for my golf tournament, but we were playing um, wiffle ball with Jackson. Oh God. He might've, he might've been like eighth grade <laughs> and there were two other high school baseball players that yep. came out and played on his team. Mm-hmm. So it was me, Carla, Cindy, and me. I think was there. Yeah. I was there. Yeah. I was there. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there was like a kid on second base, one of the high school guys, <laughs> and it was hit to Carla. I'm playing first base. Like it's a super easy out, but we only had one out. So Carla goes to throw it to me, totally deeks it like puts it under her arm. The kid's like, oh, I'll keep running home. Carla runs over and tags him. And the guy goes, I don't know any of any moms I know can do that. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then Susan, I don't know if Susan Ellis goes, well, are any of the moms you know, gold medalists or world cup champions? <laughs> of course. But just the look on his face, this like 16 year old boy who was like, oh, I've totally scored a run against these old ladies and gets tagged by Carla as he's about to touch home. And it was just priceless. I was like, you know, people don't realize, Carla, how good of an all-around athlete you are. Like, so just to wait, be a part of that wait. was just too funny. I thought you were going to tell the part where prior to the game, she pulled us together, our team, Cindy, <laughs> me and you. Do you remember this? And she goes... I just want to warn you, Jackson gets super competitive. Like, and he can get really angry when he doesn't win. And I, or one of us said, You said it. You uh, said yeah, it. I said, Oh, are, are we supposed to let him win? Is that what you're telling us? And she's like, Oh, hell no. What is wrong no. with you? <laughs> We're going to beat their asses, but he's going to get mad. I'm just warning you. <laughs> because I told him ahead of time, I said, We should split the teams up because that, you know, it's not going to be fair. Oh, you guys don't play baseball. I'm like, Okay. I warned him. So <laughs> then I'm like, Game on. Let's beat their asses. It's on. Yeah. So who won? Oh, he did. Seriously. Lynn. Lynn. <laughs> Come on, Lynn. No, remember I was like, here, I got all of our uniform. I had got all the national team uniforms I had. And I'm like, come on, let's get off the bus. <laughs> we got on our, in our national team top, they were all mine, but <laughs> That's right. we walked down to the bus stop and get these boys off. And we're like, you ready for some wiffle ball? <laughs> That's right. And they're like, all right. That's ready. right. We oh. all had our jerseys on, your jersey on. on. <laughs> like we don't mess around. Uh, oh yeah. It was so great. We, we were trying to remember, too, the first time we met Carla. Do you remember the first time you met her, Meej? 
Yeah, I mean, I I played when I got brought into that U19. Wachita Falls, girl. Yeah, um, I got brought into this women's tournament and for North Texas. And I just remember, Carla was so nice to me. I was like, my God, we, we walked into this restaurant and she just started talking to people, like, you know, complete strangers yeah. and basically got this older gentleman to like commit to come and watch us, watch our game. <laughs> I was just like, that. I was like, oh my God, like you're really brave. Like, first of all, I, I didn't talk to anyone, but for her to talk to a complete stranger. <laughs> she did then, that with everyone. Yes. I know. I was like, Carla can convince a telephone pole to come watch us play. <laughs> like, oh, shoot, I don't remember that. <laughs> but yeah, that's when I first met Carla. Yeah, that, that's another trait, Car, that I always admired. If it was the guy, you know, mowing the lawn at the field or the bus driver or the parking lot attendant, like you would go out of your way to be like, Hey, thanks so much. That's awesome. Thanks for your help. How's it going today? Like you would engage, right? Mia, how many times do we see this? And I'm always like, that is the greatest trait ever. Like you would bring everyone into the fold and thank them and show appreciation and respect regardless of their role. Yeah. And, and remember all their names. And I think she, you know, taught me and helped me understand the importance of spending time with people, like investing in that moment that you're there being present with them. Um, And because you never know kind of how that's going to change someone's life or uplift their spirits for that day with regards to what kind of day they were having. I mean, Carla, um, you know, always had that quality about her. And <clears throat> I don't know if you got that from Sassy, your mom, because your mom was, I mean, every time we'd see her, she's just always smiling and chatting and um, bringing people together. Sassy! That's all I remember. Carla would always go, Sassy! <laughs> so I remember um, talking about old Sassafras, Sassy, that's what we call her. Um, she, Karen Gabert comes up to me and says, if your mom comes up and introduces herself to me one more time, <laughs> she said, Carla, I remember who she is. I know who she is. And she's, if she says one more time, hi, Karen, it's Sandra Worden. Karen's like, I know who you are. Girl, you introduce yourself every time. So I don't know, maybe that's where I got it. But, you know, just like you guys grew up, I mean, my parents instilled in us that, you know, everyone's important and you're not better than anybody else and, you know, be kind. Earlier today, I reached out to Dr. Colleen Hacker. I sent her a text Mm -hmm. and I said, we're interviewing Carla. What should we ask her? And this was one of the questions she had. What does it mean to you that leaders carry the water? You know, I, I just feel servant leadership is one of the most important characteristics of being a good leader. You know, you have to show your team that you are willing to do whatever it takes. And, you know, every time we get off the bus, same with Jules, Mia, they'd grab a bag of balls and they, you know, here we were the senior players on the team and um, captains. And if, if your teammates saw, you know, the leaders doing that, they had no excuses to not help. And, and, you know, the great thing about our team is everyone would jump on just the remedial menial tasks and help any chance they got. And Carla would literally carry the water all the time. The water, the goals, you name it, she was carrying it. And it, and I think, um, as a younger player to, to see your captains do that, um, you know, whether it was, Hey, we have to move goals and it, and it wasn't necessarily your team's goal to move, but everyone jumping in, knowing that it would be done so much faster. And, you know, Carla and Jules were the first one to, to get there. So, um, you know, that continues probably, I'm, I'm sure to this day in terms of, of how those players do it. What would happen if, uh, if someone didn't go over the goal right away or didn't grab a bag of balls? I'd pick up two <laughs> and then they'd feel really bad that they didn't help. 
No, we'd be like, hey, help us out here. You know, we, I wouldn't be afraid to, to call someone to come help um, just because that's what made our team so great. And no one was above doing anything. And, you know, especially we traveled 14 hours. We travel for days and Dynas, our equipment guy, would have these huge, you know, 16, 20 equipment bags that had all of our stuff in it. He would carry our cleats and our uniforms and, you know, everything that we needed for games. And, you know, the first thing you land, you know, you land, you go on the bus, you get to the um, hotel and it's been, you know, 24 hours you've been going. And um, we just wanted to make sure that everyone helped him out because it's not his responsibility to carry the 20 bags up. So we would help out with the bags and the luggage and the, you know, everyone's tired, everyone wants to go to bed. But like Mia said, the sooner that, you know, this task gets finished, we can all do what we want to do. I mean, there are point like parts of the goal that you are not really caring much. Like, remember <laughs> you that? tilt the goal down, yeah. Yeah, it's the like end. You, yeah, you can put like two fingers under <laughs> and, you know, there were some players that always seemed to get those like certain <laughs> spots on the goals, but it was never Carla. She was always right by the post, picking it up. Yeah. Well, I've heard over the years, Julie, talk about you, Carla, with such reverence, but she also talked with you with a little bit of fear as well. <laughs> are you, Julie, are you just a little bit of afraid of Carla? Still am. Say? Yeah, still am. Right? Meech, you still afraid of her? I, I just, I, I told Carla when I became a friend of Carla's, which I had to earn it. And Carla and I have had this discussion, like when I was young and like, especially at Carolina, I didn't deserve her friendship because I hadn't earned it. And I still had a lot. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I still had a lot to, to, to um, kind of commit myself to as, as a teammate and as a player. And it meant a lot. But I always say, I'm like, if you're mad at me, can you just tell me? Because um, I don't, I don't want to find out the other way. <laughs> That, that is a character flaw I have. I, <laughs> I hang on to things um, and I carry grudges. I'm not going to lie. Like I remember like back in college that someone did something to me and I still like hate <laughs> for it. That's a, that's a bad, that is a bad, there you I don't go. let things go. <laughs> yeah, I hang on to them. And so maybe that's what Mia's talking about. Uh... She didn't want me to get back. No, but you, you're direct know. in a good way. Like you, there's no, you do not suffer fools. There's no bullshit to you, right? Like I've always thought about you. It's like, okay, you know where Carla falls on that one. I mean, I, I try to, like, I try to be honest with people because I would want people to be honest with me. Yeah. And, you I know, it. I try to be maybe a little sarcastic and maybe some people didn't get my sarcasm and, you know, I would feel bad if I, actually not really, but if I hurt somebody's <laughs> feelings, I would make sure that they knew. <laughs> I would make sure they knew why I was upset with them. That's, that's all. And I, you know, I didn't, I didn't care what people thought about me. I learned that from my dad. He would always say public opinion does not matter to me. And so <laughs> I you know, like what I, what you see is what you get. Like I'm not fancy. Oh, that that's, um, Quit interrupting. <laughs> I'm just going to say, that's from your dad. Yeah, that's from my dad. Because he didn't give a shit what people thought about him. <laughs> and that's, me. yeah, that's one thing. I, you know, and I don't care. Like, maybe when I was younger, I cared. Like, I wanted to be liked. And I wanted, you know, people, I wanted to have friends. But nowadays, it's like, what you see is what you get. And if you don't like it, like, I don't need any more friends. Because I don't spend enough time with the friends I have. So that's kind of what I think. Mm. Mia, you're my friend, by the way, Mia. Thanks, Carla. <laughs> you're my friend. Do you think it was a perfect storm in the best of ways that the three of you came together when you did, as far as your leadership styles, your personalities, what you are able to do on the soccer field, but that it's, there se seemed to be something particularly special about all three of you. Well, well, I'll 
first of all, I have yet to be around um, two leaders like Carla and Julie. I think they are so secure in who they are and um, how they lead. And they really created an environment for all of us to be individuals. Um, you know, what, what a lot of us didn't see were all the little fires that they were putting out and they still maintain such a high level. And I know they had um, absolute trust from Tony, which I think empowering them the way he did uh, just made it that much easier for us to all buy into them as our leadership because, um, you know, we knew where it was coming from was, was such a, a good place because they're amazing people. And, you know, as I said earlier, they both set so such high standards for all of us. And that's what I love. Like one of the memories that I'll never forget was in, in 96, um, you know, we had lost in 95 and when we came into camp, you guys, we were like training for a month before we played a game. I think the first game we played was even in Orlando against, uh, I don't know if it was Denmark or, or a team like that, but going for a month straight without a game, um, is tough. And I remember standing on the line for for fitness one day and it was right about the stage like between seven and eight where your body is starting to be like okay I'm I'm kind of done with this and your brain starts telling you okay it's you can stop now but but through this kind of heavy breathing fog I hear Carla's voice and it she's screaming like she goes, this is why we win because we pay the price. Norway's not freaking doing this right now. And I just remember like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> and, you know, knowing the right thing to say at the right moment um, to get our team through a difficult time. That's what Carla did. That's what Julie did. And, um, that's why we were so successful because these two um, led in such a genuine and authentic way that, um, and, and allowed us not to be perfect. I think that's another thing is, you know, we all made mistakes. I was perfect. And I came, I, I mean, I came in where you're talking about Brandy, where, uh, you know, that's an easy time to basically say what the hell's going on. And um, they don't do that. They, they kind of pull you up, dust you off and say, uh, we're not done yet. We need you. So get back on the line and um, we're going to do this together. That's the thing too. I, I always talk about what we started with Mia, with Carla is how she has the perfect timing for all of that, right? In the middle of the craziest situations, she knows, she knows how to pull you up. But like the combo, Lynn, to your point of, Mia, who is the superstar, the one everyone wants to talk to, the name of the sport, who, um, similar to Carla, doesn't want that or need that in her life, right? It's not like she's seeking out this spotlight. She just was given the spotlight because of how good she was. And it, in fact, made her probably uncomfortable to have that spotlight because it was her instead of the team. And so when you have a leader that in Carla that is so good about bringing the team together and a superstar in Mia that doesn't it want it to be about her. I mean, think about that because it could have gone a lot of different ways if we didn't have that Mia, right? Is that she wanted so badly for it to be about the team. I mean, that leadership in itself is, is everything, right? Having those two to say, okay, this is who we are. That's the foundation that was laid for the national team that still exists today because of those two, I think. Oh, and you, Jules, I mean, you know, obviously what you said about Mia was 100% true. She was trying to deflect um, all, you know, all the news and um, basically all the attention that our team got from her onto our team just the, the burden that 
you had to carry Mia after every games and every game and every training session, you know, they started letting media come to our training sessions. You know, some people on our team thrived on that and you could tell that you didn't want any part of it because it was about the team and you could have so easily demanded this, 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 and this, like all the superstars do and you didn't. And, um, you know, I just wish we would have realized, you know, how, how you had to, you know, deal with that and how you missed out on the bus rides home and how you, you know, missed out on a lot of things because you were promoting our team, you know? And so, um, I hate that we weren't more in tune to, you know, your feelings and, um, you know, I couldn't get a reporter to talk to me. <laughs> we just got the scraps that Mia didn't want. She'd be like, talk to them, talk to them too. I'm sorry I didn't push harder for cheddar cheese slices. <laughs> Chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> this is exactly it. All three of you are giving each other credit. No one's taking the credit for anything. I know. But no, I, I want to say about Jules too, is, you know, that laugh is infectious. Um, yeah. She's smart. You know, she, she deferred medical school, I, I think forever now. <laughs> it was for God. a year. No one wants to see this one as a doctor. Let's, let's be clear. Yeah. And I remember all the conversations you would have with Doc Adams and should I do this? <laughs> you know, I mean, she could have gone to med school, any med school in the country for Christ's sake. And she and worked. he was like, hell no, run, don't walk, go the other way. <laughs> but, but, you know, here this, you know, super smart and, um, you know, always seemed like she was in a great mood and, you know, her laugh just made everyone else laugh and, and took the pressure and eased the tension on numerous occasions. So they're, you know, I, I couldn't ask for two better teammates. They're unbelievable. They're great leaders. They're great people. Um, obviously great players, but I think great people first before any of the yeah. others. And we're still friends. We're friends. All of us. And you know what the best thing is, is we don't see each other for a long time and we get together and it's like no time has passed. Like yeah. we don't have any drama. We don't have any, you know, know, we want to know about each other's families and what you've been doing. And I just, I, I love it because it's like no time has passed. We just pick right up where we left off. I know. It is so good. You're stuck with me, kids. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry about that. Me, I'll talk to you about that later. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> hey lynn are we ready for the game let's do it okay do you need me do you want to play you want to play do you have a noisemaker mia tell me the answers come on mia's in on it i'm gonna beat your asses both of you my noisemaker oh that's a good one carla (laughs) a donut (laughs) i love it it is every woman for herself so we have julie foudy carla overbeck mia ham going head to head to head This is a trivia game. It is multiple choice. And there will be five questions. So best of five wins. D, all of the above. (laughs) I heard when you don't know the answer, you're supposed to say A. (laughs) Good luck, bitches. (laughs) I hope I don't pull a muscle. (laughs) Should we stretch it out? Yep. Let's do it. I'm like sweating. I'm sweating right now. <laughs> Carla has been stressed about this game. Lately, Julie has been accusing me of rigging the game in the guest's favor. Oh, you can do that. So I wanted as level of a playing field as possible. So this game is called soccer slang. It's all soccer terms. Okay. Oh, God. Question one. What Spanish style of play involves short passing and quick movement? Mia. Tiki taka. Correct. Which of these terms means a powerfully kicked ball that barely clears the top of the grass blades? Is it A, weed whacker? Oh, who, you're going to have to, I didn't see it. I'm giving it to Carla. Carla. I'm giving it to Carla. So I have to say the answer? She Mm -hmm. thinks it's weed whacker. Worm burner. Incorrect. And here's ah! why. It's not one of the options. That is one term for this. So Julie and Mia, you're still in the game here because okay. B daisy cutter or C grass grazer. Ooh. Julie. Grass grazer. 
incorrect. Ah, come on, girl, girl. I've never I'm heard going of this. Daisy, Daisy, Daisy Cutter. Cutter. It's Daisy Cutter. The wind there goes to Mia Hamm. Oh, come on, Daisy Cutter. Daisy Cutter, Have but Worm Burner one? is also it just wasn't a choice. That's where oh, the Carla, I know. You get a half a point. Carla, totally. I should Carla. listen to the question. Remember when I said, should we let Jackson win? And you said, hell no. Yeah. So we cannot let Mia win. <laughs> hell no. Come Wait, on, she, Carla. Does she have two answers? She does. If she gets the next one, she wins. Who invited her anyway? <laughs> Who invited this Zoom bomber? Jeez. Okay, I'm ready. Question three. What does it mean when a goalkeeper has a clean sheet? Carla. No goals. Shut out. Correct. Finally, I'm on the board. <sighs> I'm so sweating. It seemed too obvious. I thought it was going to be something more technical. Okay. Question four. What country is known for inventing total football? Oh, God. Holland. Netherlands. Boom. That's right. Correct. One to one to two. Okay. You might have to come up with more. Okay. Yes. Question five. What is a rivalry game called in soccer, particularly in England? Darby! Darby! Ah! Two! Two! One! Ah! Hey. I'm telling it now! I just needed a little time. She didn't even say Julie. She, yeah, that is technically obvious. correct. You sort of yelled the answer out without me calling you. <laughs> no uh, one else squeaked. So you get to subtract a point from her. Please, so Julie has zero, Mia has two, and I have one. Let's go. Give us a new one. <laughs> I'm out of questions. So we're at the stage in the game where we go rock, paper, scissors. We call that Rochambeau. Wait, wait, we all three are gonna go at the same time? Wait, I have the fewest points, so I should not be in it. It should be those No, two. you're in it, you're in it. Ready? I like charity. Okay. So wait, where are you gonna go? <laughs> One, two, three, shoot, right? You say rock, okay. paper, scissors, shoot. Shoot, okay. Okay, okay. ready? Rock. Paper, paper, scissors, scissors, shoot, shoot. Shoot. Oh, my paper covers your rock. What were you, Mia? I was rock. Oh, girl. Oh, the rock, paper, scissors. She only had one point. She's Worm amazing. burner. <laughs> All right, Carla, most pressing questions. Okay. Mia will like this one. Explain your love of jicama, please. And all things white without flavor. So jicama is filled with water. And because I grew up in Texas, I am a little bit lizard-like and I'm not a good water drinker. Oh. So watermelon is a good fruit for me. Um, jicama is a good vegetable for me because I'm getting the water that I don't drink normally. Yeah, because there's no taste to it. It's like, it's like, it's like eating ice. But it's just so refreshing. Like, I love it. It's, it's so refreshing. Do you put lime and some tahini on it? No, nope. I just eat it. I cut it in sticks. You don't have to do that, Carla. Uh, most pressing question number two. How many kitchen sponges have you gone through in your life? Well, I just replaced it yesterday. <laughs> I love it. That's so that's, good. That's so good, right? Oh, I just replaced it yesterday. And someone's like, you know, you can just put it in the microwave and it kill all the germs. I said, no, no, that nope. goes in the trash. <laughs> I mean, how many, how many sponges did we go through, Mia, with her? I'd be out there oh, for two gosh. days and she'd be like, <gasps> we have got to replace this. I was like, we just put it out there. Someone didn't bring this out properly. Yeah, you jokers would not squeeze all the water out. So it would smell mildewy. And I was like, we cannot have a mildewy sponge. So yeah, I, I replaced that quite frequently, yep. actually. Uh, um, Lil, Lil brought this up on the text chain. She's like, you remember Carla had, she loved Skittles, but she only loved one Skittle color. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember that. No, I wouldn't eat the, the green and the orange. I still don't. Like the, we, Carson and I buy gummy worms and she goes into the bag and it's only the half green, half orange one. She's like, mom, did you eat all the red and the blue ones? I'm like, hell yes, I did. I don't the orange and the green. But yeah, remember I would eat them all out of the, the bag and I would leave the orange and the green. Okay, so that's my most pressing question. What's your beef with the orange and the green? Well- 
actually there's a good reason I do this. So when I was a kid, um, I would get these terrible headaches and I would always throw up. And my mom would give me this, the little orange Johnson baby's aspirin. Oh yeah. You guys ever have those? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I have a headache. I have a headache. And she would give me the aspirin. I would always throw up. So I would just associate my headaches, which I later in life found out, mom, I had migraines and you like did nothing for me. (laughs) (laughs) So the, the, like I get a headache coming on and I just get that like taste in my mouth of those orange Johnson though they were, yeah, they were, what were they? Johnson baby aspirins. So you had a little PTSD from the Skittles. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would always throw up. And so orange, I like oranges, but I can't do orange flavored candy. Grosses me out. Uh, you really get to the bottom of things on this podcast. Most pressing question. You've coached at Duke for almost 30 years, which is incredible, by the way. Mia, almost 30 years she's been at Duke. I know. You graduated from UNC. You won how many national titles at UNC? Four? You won all four years. Of course you did. Girl, we tried to get you to come to Carolina. You poo-pooed us. You won four national championships at UNC. You meet your husband at Chapel Hill. Your child is going to Chapel Hill. And you are at Duke. How how have you um, made those two coexist in your household? Well... Fortunately, my family loves Duke soccer, loves, loves Duke soccer. And so, um, they have no problem. I don't have a problem (laughs) there, but, um, Duke has been unbelievable to me. They've had coaching changes and the new coach has kept me on the administration, you know, during basketball season, it gets a little hairy when they know that I, you know, graduated from there. I don't, I just put my head down and I <laughs> walk straight ahead and don't look at anybody. Um, but, you know, they're amazing people over there and everyone can get along. And, you know, I, I tell people that all the time, we like, we can all be friends. Okay. High, low cheer. This is our last segment, Carla. We do this around the dinner table with my kids. They're high of the day, they're low of the day, and someone they cheer for. But for you, high of your career, low of your career, and the cheer is for someone you're grateful for. I think the high, just the, you know, yes, we won a lot, but for me, it was the people, you know, the people that I was around every single day. And, you know, we happened to, to accomplish great things. Um, so that's definitely my high. Um, the low would probably be um, not being able to help people as much as we can in this world. Um, you know, I would love to be able to, you know, solve a lot more problems. And that's probably my low that, you know, there are people out there that have nothing. And, um, even, you know, more so recently, the, the whole Black, Black Lives Matter movement um, and just how, you know, Black people have been oppressed for 600 years. You know, I've tried to educate myself um, as far as that goes, because we didn't learn that stuff in school and, and um, just how they've been treated. I think that's just horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm grateful for, you know, my, my family and and my health and all the friends I have. And I don't spend enough time with, you know, with the friends I have and my family, you know, they love you no matter what you do. And um, I'm just thankful for, for all of them. And, and you guys for putting up with me for so long. (laughs) We're thankful for all you've done. Goodness gracious. I, I look back at the foundation of the national team and I think, you know, of, all the different ways in which you've set the tone for what this team stands for, what we were able to achieve, what um, Mia and I were able to achieve because of your help. Like, I, I know I speak for so many that, that played under you and, and saying, you know, thank you, oh, captain, my captain for that leadership and guidance for so many years and that wisdom and that care and that empathy and all the things that made us so good. I mean, you set that down car and more people need to know that. Amen. We, we were successful because of how you led, how you believed in us, how you, um, 
set the bar so high and made us realize that we could achieve anything. And um, it's an honor to call you a friend. It's to be your teammate, to learn. And, and I think not just on the field, but seeing you with your kids and seeing the mom that you are. And I mean, your kids are just fantastic human beings. And that's a testament to you and to Greg. And, but, you know, you're just, you're just good. You're just good people, Carla. And uh, our national team, you know, I know those players at Duke. Um, we're, we're just fortunate to have you in our lives and a part of our game. Ah, oh, that's, you guys are kind. But you know what? It, it wouldn't have been like our team would not have been successful without everybody. Right. <laughs> some people would kind of stray away and we'd pull them back. But I mean, we all, we all needed each other yeah. and we, we worked hard for each other and we did the right thing. And um, you know, it, it takes, it takes everyone. You just need to start giving yourself more credit, sister. Let's yeah. start there. Oh, I'm serious. Come I'm on. Serious. And I wouldn't have been, you know, as successful Jules, you know, if I weren't alongside you as captain, you know, the stuff that we dealt with and, you know, Mia, I mean, unbelievable how you could change a game. And the, the thing that, you know, I tell people all the time and, and, you know, all the Duke girls are like, Oh, you're on a team with Mia Ham. I was like, yeah. And she's a better person than she is a player. So if you could imagine that, you know, so just, it took all of us and Jules, you know, how you could make something so serious, be funny and, you know, make everyone get over themselves and, you know, your, your laughter, it's infectious. And, you know, part of me wishes I could be more like that and funny and let things kind of roll off my back instead of showing some emotion, you know, like the way um, you handled things was, was incredible. And how you guys deal with people is, you know, that's what makes our team so great. Love you lady. Yeah. I Thanks for you. letting me be part of this. Thanks for Zoom bombing us, Mage. No problem. So fun. Let's do this every <laughs> night, can we? Oh my God, yes. On second thought, because of the Zoom fatigue that we were all experiencing, I would like actually just to live near each other. And then we could just see each other. <laughs> Socially distant, of course, during these times. <laughs> I miss spending time with those gals so much. I bet. All right, Lynn, takeaways. My takeaway is that Carla is proof positive that to be a truly great leader, it helps to be a truly great person. Mm. And yeah. when a leader cares for you like she did for you, her teammates, and I'm sure the players that she now coaches at Duke, those are the type of people you absolutely want to run through a wall for yeah absolutely i do have one other quick takeaway mm -hmm. i think i need to throw away my kitchen sponge <laughs> how many days have you had it i don't want to admit it it's been a, at least a couple <laughs> weeks oh god maybe Part longer like she, her fingers would be all like straight and going oh <laughs> All right, my takeaway is that I think too many people get in the habit of making sure people know what they have done, what their title is, or they are worried about making that title front and center. Carla literally does not care. And, and in the best of ways, she wants you to respect her but she isn't pining for recognition or relevance. She just lives. She's kind. She's grounded. She takes care of so many. And it's not about what she can get out of things. It's what she can give of herself. Mm. And I love that about her. I love that in her leadership style. Let's talk about servant service leadership. Mm -hmm. um, oh, and then my second takeaway is that it's just always so seamless when we see each other. I mean... <laughs> Whether, you know, it's Mia or Carla or, you know, Carla and I had dinner with Cindy Parlo while another teammate while we were in town. And I think that's the beauty of having teammates in your life, right? It's just, it's just, 
it's just so good to get that time. That's the sign of an ultimate friendship. They're stuck with me too. Poor things. <laughs> okay. Questions permitted, Lynn. Today's question comes from at Keechcher19. She asks, in a world where donuts didn't exist. Yikes. <laughs> what would your next favorite... Uh, I don't want to even imagine that. What would your next favorite... I'm going to say in quotes junk food be because it's not your favorite junk food it's just your favorite food i would argue so what would your next favorite food be oh keechter well (laughs) that is an excellent question although i do not wish a world without donuts ever on anyone for eternity uh i would have to say during this covid quarantine time i have come to realize that i have a slight obsession with milk duds (laughs) and it's kind of a problem i mean i've i've always kind of liked milk duds Mm -hmm. but in the last six months (laughs) it's insane in fact i have gotten to the point where i hide them from the kids because i'm tired of losing my milk duds to the kids that is not very giving It's not very motherly, but I'm like, these are my damn milk duds. Get off them. I'm hiding them. So then Izzy follows me around trying to see where they are. (laughs) I'm like, leave, leave. You're hiding Uh, milk duds from your children. This is what it's come to. This is what it's come to in my life. (laughs) Keechter, that could be the best question ever. And I don't think I came to that realization of my problem until you just brought it up. Thanks, Keechter. Well, as you say, the, the first step... And knowing you have a is problem admitting is it. admitting it. I am Julie Fowney, and I love milk duds. <laughs> All right. Thank you for that question, Keechster, and thank you for listening. Our dope village is the dopest of all vi- villages in the dope village land. And as you know, we so appreciate your support of this podcast and hope that you'll support our sponsors as well, Ally Bank and Dick Sporting Goods. A special shout out to Kate Diaz, a Julie Foudy Sports Leadership Academy alum for our theme music. And as always, remember kids, sing it with us. Laughter Laughter permitted. Who invited her anyway? Wake up to the best sports story you'll hear all day. Monday through Friday, host Pablo Torre brings you an inside look at the most interesting story at ESPN as told by the top reporters and insiders. That's ESPN Daily. Subscribe and listen along with Laughter Permitted wherever you get your podcasts.